0: On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alameen, a Muslim leader and former Black Power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosey Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tenderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the dossier, presented by Metro by T-Mobile. Yeah, uh, yeah, who shot ya? Separate the weak from the opsa. Leak hard to creep them Brooklyn streets. It's all nigga. Fuck all that bickering beef. I can hear sweat trickling down your cheek. Your heartbeats sound like
1: Sasquatch feet, thundering, shaking the concrete. Then the shit stop when I fall the plot. Neighbors call the cops, said they heard mad shots. Saw me in
0: the truck previously on the dossier. I'm taken aback that this stuff all existed.
1: And, you know, you would think the way the LAPD spins this, that this stuff was like some fucking fairy tale. Bullshit. This is the thing that gets under my skin more than anything. LAPD. All the way to the very bottom, top. Exactly what was going on. Briefed on certain stuff. I met with them and for them to say anything of the difference and I can prove to you that they not only knew but how they obstructed this case completely derailed it and I know that for a fact that stuff is not in the documents
0: there Phil Carson was an FBI agent who worked inside the Los Angeles Field Division of the FBI he also was the only FBI agent to investigate who killed Biggie and more importantly who covered it up In the last episode, Carson gave me key pieces of information and verified rumors that existed for close to 24 years. LAPD officers David Mack and Rafael Perez were present at the Peterson Automotive Museum the night Biggie was killed.
1: rapper Notorious B.I.G., and were LAPD officers involved? The mystery of his murder has gone unsolved for 14 years now, but some people believe we are closer than ever to cracking the case, and it's all because of what you are about to see. Tonight, KCAL 9's Randy Page exposes key evidence for the first time since those fatal shots were fired on an L.A. street.
0: Were LAPD officers involved in the murder of rap superstar Christopher Wallace, also known as Notorious B.I.G.? And if so, did the LAPD try to cover it up? Questions that are still being asked 14 years after the fatal rounds were fired. You are now listening to episode two of the dossier, the jailhouse confession of LAPD cop Rafael Perez. This story requires the knowledge of many names. I told you in episode one who was involved in the murder of Biggie. David Mack and Rafael Perez were gangster cops. That has already been proven. Mack robbed a bank while he was an LAPD officer. He went to jail. Perez was the face of the Rampart police scandal. He served six years and now is a free man. I received an email last week that he is now shopping his own TV show, called The Dirtiest Cop in America. This episode is mainly comprised of a prison interview I did with Kenneth Bowagny inside a California state prison. You're going to hear a lot of names thrown at you, so I'm going to break it down the best way I can into two categories. First, the Dirty LA Cops category. Kevin Gaines, Sammy Martin, Rafael Perez... David Mack, and Reggie Wright Jr., all dirty cops. The second category is legal counsel. David Kenner, death row records attorney, and Suge Knight's lawyer and personal fixer, Don Vincent, the city attorney for L.A., and Perry Sanders, the lawyer for Miss Wallace, Biggie's mom. Again, That's a lot of names, but hopefully this helps. I knew I had something that no one to date had when it came to the investigation and information about the murder of Biggie. Phil Carson was talking, and I had the unredacted FBI files of his investigation. Inside these files were a list of informants that held vital information about who killed Biggie and also who covered it up and why. These people were not names that anyone had heard from. They weren't interview subjects in any documentary on Netflix. And in the telling of this story so many times, these informants actually held information that LAPD's robbery homicide investigators could have used. Not only did these investigators not pursue these leads, they went as far as obstructing justice to try and silence many of these people I would talk to. One of the informants in the file was Kenneth Bowagney. I wrote him a letter in jail at Calipatria State Prison, and he agreed to talk to me. And I want to make one thing clear. I did not pay Kenneth Bowagney any money for this information or interview.
1: How long were you cellmates with Raphael
2: Perez? Not that very long. We were cellmates for about about a month and a half, and then they moved me two cells away from him.
1: But you were in the same sort of common area.
2: Yeah, we went to breakfast every morning together. We went to church together. We fed uh, other prisoners together. I spent, you know, almost 24 hours a day with the guy. Oh, wow.
1: Why do you think he trusted you to tell you this stuff? Well, I think he, trust me, he just needed to get some of it out. You know what I'm saying? One particular
2: time, we didn't go to church. The guy came and, and brought the church to us. So he was testifying, and, and, and there wasn't a lot of people there, maybe four or five people in our unit that actually went to church. And me and Perez at church, we were sitting at the table together, and we started singing that song, A Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, and now I can't even think of the song name. And he started crying, you know? And I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't know whether to put my head on this, you know, to give him a hug or, or what, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, man, I'm just so tired of, of you know, living like this. And, he, you know, he would bear us soul. But then we were doing a lot of drinking, too. We were drinking a lot of
0: homemade alcohol. But you said yeah. something before. Kenneth Boagney was an inmate in Calipatria State Prison in Imperial County, California. He was serving a 40-to-life sentence under California's three-strikes law. Boagny had no violent felonies on his record. What was interesting about his particular story was Boagny was cellmates with LAPD cop Rafael Perez. Perez was a part of the infamous Rampart Division of the LAPD. Perez and a handful of cops were charged with dealing drugs, planting evidence, shooting witnesses, robbing drug dealers and sheer mayhem it is speculated that Perez is actually the inspiration for the character that Denzel Washington played in the movie Training Day oh, son
2: open your eyes can't you see Huh?
0: that man was your friend and you killed him <laughs> like a fly <laughs> my friend huh? yeah. tell me why because he knows my first name son this is the game i'm playing his ass that's my job that's your job roger sold dope to kids the world is a better place without him hey this man was the biggest major violator in los angeles i watched that cocksucker operate with impunity for over 10 years and now i got it the shit's chess. it ain't checkers over the course of six months boagney would call me from jail with information he had tried to give to the LAPD and the FBI. I tried my best to get him to trust me, for him to give me the information and other leads I could pursue. You said something before
1: that they had to rob the bank to pay Amir Muhammad because Suge backed out on paying Amir? Yeah.
0: In the above recording, I referenced a conversation I had with him prior. The bank robbery being discussed was planned and executed by LAPD officer David Mack and a few cohorts who were never caught. It has been speculated that Rafael Perez was a part of that heist. David Mack would never talk to LAPD investigators, and the money that was stolen, which was close to $800,000, was never found ever.
2: I guess she was locked up. When Reggie Wright came to everybody and, and, and got the information from Dave Kenner and all that stuff about what they needed to be done, the night Biggie was killed, and Perez went that morning and, and verified his body at the morgue and all that stuff, but they was also supposed to kill Sean Puppytone, and they didn't get it done. You know, Gaines was supposed to cut that both of them off. The officer Gaines. A lot of people don't know that the Gaines was seriously in, involved in this. He was supposed to cut both vehicles off while another guy come around and, and shoot him. So Shug backed out of the deal. He was supposed to pay a certain amount of money, and he backed out. So that's why Mac and Perez did the bank job in order to pay Amir, because he was going to go after them. Because Shug didn't hire uh, Amir. Perez and not got
1: him to do the job. Uh, and they were scared of Amir Muhammad because Amir was a contract Absolutely. killer. Absolutely. You know, they were going to pay him. When they came and told him to back
2: out, you know, that's when uh, they had to go through the bank robbery. And James was supposed to be with him on the bank robbery, but he backed out, and he ended up getting killed on the freeway. And then another officer stepped in in this place, a Sammy Martin. See, a lot of people don't know that Sammy Martin was with Rafael Perez and David Mack in Vegas a couple of days after yeah. the bank robbery. And that's yes, why they am Amir. The pain, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's a real intriguing story that he told me. It's just so hard to trust people that's gonna put the information out there the way I said, because I don't need my words to be twisted. And I have so many people gunning for me, trying to discredit me and all that, you know, and I can only tell you what this guy told. When he came to the administrative board hearing and he told me all that stuff, you know, I knew intricate details about uh cases that I wasn't supposed to know. How else would I know it if somebody uh, let somebody
0: go? Kenneth says the name Reggie Wright Jr. And in this story, he might be the key to everything. Reggie isn't in jail. He even has his own podcast called The Gangster Chronicle. And many people believe that his freedom is based on the fact that he is a government informant. Reggie Wright Jr. was a former Compton Police Department member. Suge Knight hired him as his head of security. It is Reggie Wright Jr. who hired other police officers to become security for death row records. The other names that Kenneth mentioned on the call were LAPD officers Sammy Martin, Kevin Gaines, and the notorious David Kenner who was Suge Knight's fixer and lawyer. See, what you have to realize and what is important is that when Biggie was killed, his death was at the forefront of police corruption inside the city of Los Angeles. The LAPD was rotten at its core. What is crazy is when you look at the timeline of events, three major crimes transpired in less than a year all relating to crooked cops inside the Rampart Division and connected to the killing of Biggie.
2: You know, I was on the maximum security prison yard, you know, and I had a 40 to like sentence. You know, I had no intentions of even saying anything about none of them, any of them at all. It was just wasn't on my radar until they came and found me. You know, I didn't go out seeking them. They came and found me. They wanted to know what Perez told you know, and some of the stuff they hid, you know, like like Anthony Pelicano, you know, that Perez and Matt Hughes and Shig and him used on a regular basis, they never got reported. Who is Anthony Pelicano? You know, Anthony Pelicano was a private investigator, you know, a crooked private investigator, and he had all the tricks of the trade. He is the private eye accused of illegally wiretapping some of Hollywood's biggest names. Now, Today in East, Kelly Mac brings us exclusive footage of Anthony Pelicano. And an interview with another investigator who says he has helped bring him down.
0: Five years ago, Private Eye Anthony Pelicano gave NBC's Dateline this exclusive interview at his electronic lair in Los Angeles, where he analyzed audio-taped evidence to be used at trial. I do tons of work for law
1: enforcement. What my policy is, first come first serve. Now, he is the
0: focus of a scandal that is the talk of Tinseltown. Indicted recently with six associates, he's accused of illegal wiretapping in cases that often put him in touch with Hollywood's top lawyers and their celebrity clients.
2: He got all this information from them guys, how to find people and stuff like that, and they used them. And I had got a letter, well, I think I still have a letter, Where somebody threatened me if I said anything about Anthony Pelicano. So I wrote Perry Sanders and told Perry Sanders, hey, man... You know, the information I gave the LAPD about teleconorations, shit getting out, man. I'm not trying to get my head chopped off because of all this, you know. I gave them the information. You know, I told them they didn't want to use it. They asked me if I wanted to testify at trial. I told them, no, I wouldn't testify at no trial. I'm not trying to send nobody to prison. You know, I just think uh, Mrs. Wallace had the right to know that the LAPD played a part in killing her son. You know, that was my whole reason for doing it. You know, I have a brother that's Los Angeles County Sheriff, you know. And it all started with me testifying for the Los Angeles Police Department at the administrative board here on some of the people Perez was lying on.
1: I don't want to twist your words. I just want to hear your story and let the general public hear your story and make their assessment. Okay. And I guess my last question to you is, you feel Raphael was carrying this weight on his shoulders and was just tired, and that's why he decided to talk to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he needed somebody
2: that he connected with. I guess me and him had had a connection, you know. But we just, you know, we, you know, we hit it off. Everybody knew Rafael Perez as a police officer. I knew him as a as a guy as a criminal. I didn't know him as as a police officer. I knew him as, as a wannabe kind of like gang member to me. He could be real personable. He can be real intelligent when he want to be. When no one's watching him, that's when I knew him. You know, you know, I was there with him, you know, they, they interviewed him for 70 hours. I was with him and talked to him every day for eight months.
1: Wow. And do you think at a certain point in your conversations that he finally was at peace with what he did or is that gonna haunt him for the rest of his life? Oh, it's definitely gonna haunt him for the rest of his life because he never got to the
2: point to where he was worried that somebody was gonna get him for what he done. You know, he knew what he did was wrong. I think he was sorry for what he did. I think he got caught up with Mac and him because I remember the first time he told me when he took money from Mac. The first time he committed a crime, so to speak, is when he took some money off a drug dealer. Because, you know, he was in narcotic first. Sure. You have 30 seconds.
1: Remaining. Then
2: Well, I got 30 seconds. seconds. So can I call you okay. right now?
0: Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize-winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming-of-age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too. Will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown, to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and cirruses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale, that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. Alright, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should Payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work. Up to $100 per day, or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the EarnIn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special. Or you and the wife need a scintillating night out every once in a while at least so download earn in today spelled e a r n i n in the Google Play or Apple App Store when you download the earn in app type in the dossier under podcast earn in is a financial technology company not a bank subject to your available earnings daily max pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. The atrocities that were committed by myself and those who stand accused are unforgivable acts. The lines between
2: right and wrong became fuzzy and indistinct. The us against them, Ethos of the overzealous cop, began to consume me. And the the end seemed to justify the means. I only vaguely sensed that we were doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. To do our job fairly was not enough. My job became an intoxicant that I lusted after. By then I began to lust also for things of the flesh. The end result... I cheated on my wife, I cheated on my employer, and I cheated on all of you,
0: the people of Los Angeles. That audio was a statement made in open court by LAPD officer Rafael Perez when he was being sentenced in the Rampart police scandal. A scandal to this day that is shrouded in lies and another wide-ranging cover-up.
1: Let me ask you a question. Do you feel when Perez told you the things he told you that he wasn't bragging? This was not someone that was just boasting about something.
2: Sometimes it would be like he was bragging, like when he was uh, did the bank robbery. He was in Vegas. He was bragging, and when he was putting cases on guys. But when he was talking about, because one incident, when he told me about the Biggie murder, we were we we had been drinking and right I was like, Biggie Song came on the radio and he was like, oh man, fuck that fat dude I'm like, man, you don't like this I mean, what, this is one of the best, biggest, you know, best rappers in the world he's like, man, you know, fuck that guy then his whole board changed he was like, hey, you know, I was there tonight, he was killed and I'm like, what? you know, and then he started telling me everything but then his whole demeanor changed but then that next morning, you know, he, had, he came in my cell and he put his hand on the middle of my chest and didn't let me up and that was a different side of the that I had never seen
1: what did he say to you when he did that? He put his hand
2: on my chest and he said, Hey man, what I told you last night, that don't need to be repeated And he was I mean he had his hand on and I'm six five. You know. He came in my cell and put his hand on my chest while I was laying down and wouldn't let me get up. He said, Hey man, what I told you, man, you know, I said, Hey man, what you told me, I don't I don't remember none of that stuff, man. You know, and he was like, That's right And he, you know he, he thought he was a stuff he used to be like in there with slang Westside, alive, my Mania, and all that stuff. You know, I seen him as a different type of person. They had him as a police officer. I seen him different. You know, this is a man that cried in front of me and I didn't hug him. This is a man who I met his daughter, his
0: wife. Kenneth Bowagney was known to the lawyers representing Biggie's mom, Valletta Wallace. And they valued his information. Harry Sanders and Dennis Chang were the main lawyers who represented the Wallace estate against the LAPD and the city of Los Angeles in the wrongful death civil suit. See, Perry and Dennis will become major characters in the story of Phil Carson and his investigation into the corruption at the LAPD. These are two more names to keep track of as we uncover the roles they play in this epic story. The story of what happened at the civil trial will be uncovered in future episodes. See, the story of Biggie's death really took place in two parts. The initial murder investigation and then the second investigation that took place when Perry Sanders sued the LAPD and City of L.A.
2: Yeah, Cadet came and wanted me to do a deposition. I just didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't comfortable with doing a deposition like that, just out of the blue. At that time, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is my name was coming out in the L.A. Times that implicates two police officers in his murder of Notorious B.I.G. That's the only thing I knew, you know, and I got that from my family. You know, they came and took me out of my uh, cell five o'clock in the daytime, and they don't do that unless it's a death in your family or something's wrong. And they told me they were just ready to put me in a home for protection. You know, so I didn't know what was going on. That was June 29th, and July 5th is when they came up with a cam, a video quarters, and and a court reporter, and wanted me to. I just, I just didn't do it. I didn't feel comfortable doing it. So, was like, this before like, the Board
1: see. of Rights, or this is this is after? This was
2: after. This was after the board. I did the Board of Rights in two thousand two, two thousand three. I did the Board of Rights all the way up to two thousand four, maybe two thousand four,
1: two thousand five, maybe. At those Board of Rights meetings, when you, when you started to say anything having to do with Biggie Smalls, they told you to shut up.
0: I'm hoping that this isn't too much information. In these cases, that's what the LAPD is hoping, that people get buried in details and names. I mentioned what is called a board of rights hearing. These hearings took place traditionally when an LAPD officer was in trouble or there was going to be discipline given out internally by the department. In the hearings, there were two police officers that sat on the board along with a designated civilian. During the Rampart police scandal, there were so many Boards of Rights hearings held inside the LAPD. Kenneth was asked to testify because of his time with Rafael Perez. Many officers involved in the Rampart police scandal had to go before a Board of Rights hearing. Well,
2: I never said anything about big smaller. For some reason they would always bring up death row records.
1: And they yeah.
2: would shut it they would shut, I mean they would make everybody leave out of the hearing. Get out of the hearings. You know, hey, shut down. I mean, that, I mean, stand up. Hey, stop right there, Mr. You Don't answer that question. Everybody out. Just like that. Seal it. I mean, seal it right now. Seal it his hearings right now. You know, it was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? And then that's when I knew. I said, well, I might have some information that, that might be valuable.
1: Because he said, he admitted that he was at the bank robbery or he
2: knew about it. He admitted, let me tell you, this, it, this was kind of, kind of, I just, You know, he had made a big scene at the police station where he worked at so everybody could see him. That was his alibi. He he was the driver in the bank robbery. It was him, Mac, Gaines, and Perez that was involved in that bank robbery. But it really wasn't a robbery because it was Mac's girlfriend. He had to order the money, and they never got the money, and they're never going to get it.
1: And and did he ever talk about Amir Muhammad or no?
2: He didn't really talk about him a lot, you know. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, you know. Perez was fearful of them guys. He knew he wasn't supposed to be telling me this. When he was talking about putting cases on other LAPD officers and all that, and making good cases bad and all that stuff, you know, it was more jovial. But when he got to talking about this stuff, when he got to dealing with Mac and games and sugar and, 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 and all them, it was serious.
1: I mean, because you think was he crazy. was scared? Of, he was scared of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely fear. And it was just like, shit, it made me fearful. I definitely got fearful. You know what I'm saying? about? Uh, Did you hear um, you know, about
1: Amir Muhammad from anyone else other than Perret?
2: I, I, I didn't even really hear. I don't even know if he said Amir Muhammad. I just think he said uh, one of Mac's friends, uh, one of Mac's partners that went way back with him. He never mentioned the guy's name. I have to be honest about that. He never mentioned yeah. the guy's name at all. He said a clean-cut guy that Mac... And Reggie, Reggie went to school with or something like that. We knew from way back, you know what I'm saying? And uh, there was two guys at first that met with Mac uh, and Perez to do the hit on me. All right, I'm going to get off right now, dog I got to get off this phone, man. That's what I
1: okay. need.
2: I... Big was in the front. The C's was sitting behind Big, and I was, like, sitting behind the drop. We just ran over there like he was, like,
1: laid over on, on the seat. Just like looking, like his eyes like rolling in the back
0: of his head. So I just told one of the drivers of security to, to just jump in a car, just take me to the nearest um, hospital, please. I saw this individual. This individual know that he saw me. Now behind
1: the music has tracked down a witness who claims he saw Amir Muhammad outside the Peterson Museum the night of the murder.
0: Yeah, it's the same guy. Same guy that walked up on me. I don't know if he did the shooting but this is the guy who walked up on me that night
1: the witness who asked us to conceal his identity was working security that night he says he is certain he saw amir muhammad standing near the museum exit wearing a blue suit and bow tie shortly before the shooting occurred he just looked me in my eye and i looked him dead in his eye and he walked away going in the direction where the notorious Beagle was shot later The LAPD has publicly stated that Amir Muhammad is not a suspect.
0: In my calls with Kenneth, my takeaways were deep. How would the LAPD not look into the allegations that he talked about? How did robbery homicide not even look into the theory that David Mack, Rafael Perez, and possibly Kevin Gaines and Sammy Martin were present when Biggie was killed? Or... That they orchestrated the murder. Kenneth was another character, another link to what the LAPD didn't want anyone to know or find out. To be honest, they did a good job of deceiving the general public. Finding it now was staggering. want to solve the case
2: is, is what i thought because you know their people was involved you had mac and, and, and perez and Gaines and sammy martin neck beef in this stuff man i got 12 letters from perry sanders in my cell corresponding with him
1: this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded
2: and i really considered not saying anything going down business way i really considered it man you know I was sitting here with a with a burglary and I got 40 to life for it. You know? Yeah. So I definitely was considering it. You know what I'm saying? I can't lie to you. I just didn't trust him.
1: Well, I've heard he's not a very good man. That's what I've heard.
2: Yeah, I didn't trust him. You know, I'm I got I'm a good judge of character. I just didn't trust Andre. You know, because he came up there, you know, after, the def- after I didn't do the deposition, he came up there on his own. And, uh, Really tried to persuade me not to uh, testify in the civil trial or do a deposition. He wanted me to go away, man. He made it perfectly clear. He, you know, he wanted me to disappear. John Vincent and Bradley Gage was getting ready to fight, man, inside California visiting room because they were accusing each other of calling me a jailhouse informant. They were accusing each other, man. I never seen anything like that in my life. In my life.
0: Would you believe two of the most high-powered attorneys in the city of Los Angeles almost came to blows in a prison visiting room? Bradley Gage, representing Ms. Wallace, and Don Vincent, representing the city of Los Angeles. These guys were ready to trade blows over the information that Kenneth Boagney had. Don Vincent is a key component of this case, and he appears in many places not only in the FBI files that I have, but as a recurring character who visited many of the people I talked to. His main mission was he was what is called a city attorney for Los Angeles. When a city or a police department is sued, city attorneys deal with everything. In this case, Don Vincent was doing everything in his power to not have anyone with credible information testifying against the city in the wall a civil suit. What was at stake was massive, and that was simple. Money, big money. If Biggie's mom and her lawyers won the civil suit against the city, it was estimated that she could walk away with close to $500 million. This was money that could and would bankrupt the city and the LAPD, something unprecedented. So the upper brass of the LAPD and the city attorneys knew that they needed to stymie this case at all costs. And none of these investigators or none of these guys cared where you knew where the gun was or where the
1: money was?
2: They did not care. I just couldn't believe it, man. And I remember exactly Perez making a big mistake when when he said it, where they went after all this stuff happened. Where did we go? You know what I'm saying? And uh, I knew that's where the money could be. You know what I'm saying? Where the rest of it, because they gave most of it to... uh, I'm here in my in Los You know what I'm saying? They gained some of that bank robbery money because he was gonna have their heads because Suge Knight was near going on the deal to pay. I was just trying to uh, give Miss Wallace some closure, man.
0: I would have to guess that there's been at least ten documentaries and movies done on the murder of Biggie. Not once is the name of Don Vincent mentioned as a major player he moved in the shadows as he communicated with the LAPD and members of the city of Los Angeles. I kept harping back on Kenneth's interaction with Don Vincent because according to Kenneth, Don Vincent threatened Kenneth not to talk. He told him not to testify in the civil trial. Why was the city attorney for Los Angeles not accepting information? Why was he trying to bury anyone that would talk? Next time on the dossier.
2: That would be fair to say. Uh, when I was out in California, I had a lot of police officers as my bodyguard. And when I went into, they have an unmarked one behind me. And all because there's a lot of terrible things going on in California. I said to him, he introduced him, and I said, I'm officer, so, so, and so. And I goes, Damn, isn't this a conflict of interest? Here I am, I'm suing you, you know, your whole city, and you're protecting me. And he goes, Miss Wallace, not all of us are crooks. No, Miss Wallace. But, uh, well, this is going to be in the book. The, 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 he said to me, I am proud of what you're doing because the way we see it is like a little
1: woman fighting against a big giant.